0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Powered by Positivity podcast with me, your host, Laura Murray, where we will talk all things health, fitness, mindset, nutrition and lifestyle. I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by Ashling Vaughan for this episode. Ashling is an online coach based in West Cork and she previously competed in bikini competitions in the bodybuilding world back at the start of her own fitness journey. Um, We spoke about how this really affected her relationship with food and her own body image. And she also speaks about how she realized that she needed to get away from that way of living and develop a much more holistic and sustainable way of being. We also spoke about her experience isolating during COVID in the Australian Outback with her dog, which sounds absolutely and utterly idyllic. (laughs) And we had the chats about online coaching and how it works and how it can work for you and the benefits that it has that maybe your one-to-one kind of coaching model doesn't really have. Um, so I really hope that you enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed chatting with Aisling. Um, please stay listening till the very end so that you don't miss out on Ashling's mammy's solid piece of advice because it is a winner. <laughs> and please do share the podcast on your social media and tag us if you listened or enjoyed and um, all of your support and shares are so appreciated and mean that I can keep making these podcasts and bringing them to you I hope you enjoy and just before we jump right into this episode I want to mention our sponsors I'm absolutely delighted to be in partnership with Era Muscle again for season two of the podcast Aeromuscle.ie is your one-stop online shop for the highest quality sports nutrition and supplement brands. I highly recommend making use of their free delivery for orders over €70 the same way I do by bulk buying your vitamins, protein, CBD products and any other supplements that you use regularly. For 10% discount off all your orders, use the code pyp 10 at the checkout. I am also delighted to announce that we are continuing our collaboration with Dublin Meat Company into season two. And I am, as anybody who knows me already knows, a massive fan of their healthy fit foods range of ready meals, their protein pots, their soups and their weekly fit food bundles, all of which are MSG free and macro friendly. They have just launched a new fit food meal, the meatballs with wholemeal pasta, which is so good if you haven't tried it already um, and have some really exciting new products in the pipeline. That will be launched over the coming weeks and months so please keep an eye out for those you can check out dublinmeatcompany.com to order click and collect from any of their six shops in Dublin and Drogheda which are open seven days a week you can also order for delivery straight to your door across the nation now and for 10% off all of your orders please just enter the code Laura by P at the checkout eat well live well and finally, this podcast is produced by Primal Productions, and you can find all of their information and details in the show notes below. Ashling Vaughan, hello. How are you, Laura? How are things, girl? Great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so, so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule um, to guest on the podcast today. Absolute pleasure to have you. Um, before we jump in, Aisling, um I'm going to get you to tell the listeners, if they don't already know you, who you are and what it is you do.
1: Brilliant. So, yeah, I live in West Cork and I'm an online full time online coach um, for women, females, basically. So I work with ladies who, you know, want to lose weight, want to tone up but there's a massive, um, I suppose element of our thing. What we do is like, it's very kind of holistic based. So we really focus on the lifestyle element of things. Um, typically people, when they come to work with myself, they've tried loads of other different things, you know, between sewing world or weight watchers or like this kind of like, you know, gym challenges or quick fix, but they've really struggled to maintain that. So I suppose that the service that I have or the coaching that I have is quite different in the sense that I'm a firm believer. Like, you know, if someone comes to work with me, it's kind of the the final solution. You know, what I like to say is we do it once we do it right. And then they have the results for life. Um, and there's, there's a massive, I suppose, mindset element to the whole thing as well, which really, really helps people get that result. Um, so yeah, that's basically what I do. I have a whole crew of ladies who are worldwide. Uh, they're in Ireland, they're in the UK, the States, Canada, Australia, the Netherlands. Um, they're, they're scattered everywhere. Um, so there's a big, big crew of us, but, um, yeah, the community is lovely. It's a really, really thing uh, and a nice thing that I really enjoy about the job. So yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much me and what I do.
0: Amazing. So quite literally helping women all over the world to better their lifestyle yeah. and, and just maintain those results. Um, Amazing, this which is fun. pretty, uh, very much the way I work with my own clients as well. Um, which is why I kind of, when I heard you speak uh, recently at a seminar, really resonated with everything you were saying. Mm. Um. I I'd love for you Ashing to tell your story about how you kind of got to where you are now um mm-hmm. and um just speak a little bit about the bodybuilding c- competitions that you've done and the how that kind of affected you and how that got you to where you are now working in a more holistic way in terms of health and fitness.
1: Yeah. So it's like how much time do we have in this podcast to go through the whole, <laughs> <laughs> the whole journey but like honestly long, long story short, I was very active in my teens. I did a lot of Irish dancing. We competed at, uh, you know, a high level, um, would have been training, you know, four or five times a week with that, you know, intense exercise, intense training. Um, and I gave the whole lot up when I went into Leaving Cert. So naturally, you know, as you do gained a little bit of weight from, um, not being as active kind of went to college, and I suppose I was maybe the start of my second year in college after a couple of years of not having any kind of focus or being athletic, I would have played basketball in secondary school. Um, We would have had horses at home. Um, I would have played camogie. There was a whole mixture of things always going on, something in the background. But I suppose when I had that window between, shall we say, my leaving cert and like second year college or so, I was actually doing not much really, to be honest. And as you would expect, gained a little bit of weight. Became a little bit body conscious, and I just wanted to feel a little bit healthier. And I remember I was going on a holiday with my boyfriend then at the time, and I went to the gym and I was like, "Lads, I want to get in shape for this trip to Lanzarote." And, um, you know, can you help or whatever? And the whole thing started from there. So I joined the gym. I really enjoyed it. I really uh, was good at it. Um, I was very disciplined around the whole, um, you know, food and dieting. But it was your typical gym scenario in the sense that. You know, you got the meal plan, and this is what
0: you had to eat—like these four meals for like four weeks. <laughs> Ridiculous okay, stuff. So, it was one of these kind of body transformation four-week holiday prep type things.
1: Kind, kind of. It was kind of like I was working with the same PT. He was excellent. He was absolutely fantastic. Really good at his job, and we got on really well. He taught me a lot. I really enjoyed the whole process. Um, but I suppose I kind, kind of got hooked from there. Um, there was holding like then ashing. I was, I would say, it was probably. 20, maybe 20, I would okay. say. Yeah. Um, so got into the whole thing, was really enjoying it, got in shape for the holiday, had a really good result, and kept the whole thing up. Um, and it was suggested to me, I was kind of looking for that little bit extra. I was really good at what I was doing, and it was suggested to me, like, what would you think of a photo shoot? Um, so I had done a couple of them, again, ticked those off. It was like, well, on to the next thing, looking for the next challenge, looking for the next reason to train, shall we say, or reason to diet. Um, and then the idea of the bikini competition came up with the bodybuilding comp. Um, so worked super hard for that. Um, trained for it, did well in it, was really happy with how the whole thing went. But as you and I know, it's never as easy to kind of come out the other end being, could you call it normal <laughs> um, yeah. on the other end of that, you know? So I would have struggled for a long time around, um, getting back to a normal, healthy body shape, body weight, um, female health um you know my relationship with food took a massive hit it took me yeah. a long long time to get out of that i would say okay. to be honest okay. i would say 3 or 4 years to get back to the point where i didn't have hang ups around food anymore and i was kind of that the whole thing had been reversed shall we say
0: yeah and where did where did you i know you said you kind of you were driven when you started at the gym and you were, you know, you were pushing yourself and you were good at it, enjoying having like something to work towards. Mm. Where did the real initial desire stem from to compete? Was it just to have a goal or was it because you wanted to get your body or your physique to that, that point? What, what was it? Do you think that really?
1: I missed the challenge or the focus of having, yeah, I missed the reason to train, I suppose. I wanted to exercise discipline and commitment and to see how far I could probably push myself and to see okay. kind of what result I could get from it. And I knew it was going to be very demanding. I knew it was going to take a lot of work, Um, but I think that's exactly why I did it, because I like having challenge and I like um aiming towards something. And as you and I, you know, Laura, like, you know, when you're training in the gym and there's no real reason for it, it kind of feels like you're going through the motions. You're not as motivated for your sessions. There's no kind of purpose behind the whole thing. And I think mm. in hindsight, because I do triathlon now. And, you know, we've been training for different results and I bike and I swim and do all things that I really enjoy. I think had I had something like that at that time of my life where I could have channeled, channeled that energy and that focus into something that wouldn't have been so body focused and diet focused and damaging, let's call a spade a spade. I think I would have come out a lot
0: better. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, thinking like, The bodybuilding competitions and bikini competitions and even like the prep for photo shoots, it's all physique based. It's all very much based on how you look and aesthetic goals, whereas having a kind of performance based goal like that is essentially probably a much healthier way to to push yourself or to strive to achieve something. Not that there's anything wrong with. Of course, we all have mm-hmm. physique based goals. We all want mm-hmm. to look better and we want to feel better. And mm-hmm. um, But I just think that if that's your sole goal, as you know yourself, Ashton, from how it felt coming out the other side, mm-hmm. it can be quite detrimental to our mental health as well as Completely. physical.
1: Yeah, because um, you're, you're essentially setting yourself up for failure because there's no way that you can maintain that body shape that rate of training, that dieting for forever. Um, so, you know, it, in a way, it's like working towards something that means a lot to you to look a certain way or to have something, but it's just going to be all reversed, essentially. Away. It has to it has yeah. to be really, it has to be reversed because, you know, my female health took a massive hit. Um, my relationship with food, my whole um, body image, could you call it body dysmorphia? Probably in hindsight, yeah. yes. Yeah. Now, um, but you're setting yourself up for failure if you think that you're going to be able to maintain that because you're not. And then it's a really slippery slope. Whereas with your performance based events, you know, you can, and that's the laughable thing. We were in great shape. We looked amazing. We looked fit, but I certainly wasn't fit. I would walk up the stairs and feel the blood drain from my legs and have to sit down halfway up. Like that's not fitness, you know, that's not health (laughs) at all. Um, so I think now actually being really strong and physically fit, And being able to do what I do now would have been the right way to go about things. And I suppose that's essentially why I I do what I do now is so that nobody else falls into that um, trap. And that when the women I coach come to me to become healthier and to become fitter, that's exactly what they achieve. They don't just lose weight to look a certain way. They want to lose it because it's a byproduct of them being fit and them looking after themselves.
0: Yeah, it's so good that you mentioned that it's a byproduct and it's so, so true. It's it's it becomes so apparent to me from working in the fitness industry that the health and fitness industry are so far removed from each other at at times. And, you know, looking at somebody who is perceived to be very fit because they have a very low body fat percentage and they have visible abs, they might not be very fit, physically fit themselves or healthy. They may appear mm. to be based on our perceptions and, and, you know, what the media has put out there mm. as a fit and healthy person. But it's really, really important to realize that if if you're looking after your body and working on your, your overall health and fitness and your strength and your well-being, your body is inherently going to look pretty decent anyway if you are genuinely Talking. looking after it and treating it right so as a yeah. byproduct of of really having that holistic well-rounded approach to your health and well-being and your fitness then you're gonna look shit hot anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> really? and,
1: and quite often
0: yeah, quite often better than than when you are completely depleted because you've tried to pull so much body fat off your body that it stopped actually doing the things that it's supposed to do, like, you know, losing mm. your period. That's one of the things mm-hmm. that happens often when females, you know, get to that point. Um, mm-hmm. How was your relationship with your body before you entered into competing or prep? I
1: never had any issues with. um my body image or food for that matter. We had a really healthy upbringing. Like, um, there was never any of that growing up, shall we say? Like, you know, we always had very kind of normal relationship with food. Thankfully, like that's all credit due to my parents and my mother in particular, probably, you know, in having good, healthy, wholesome stuff for us at home all of the time. And, um, there was never any learned behavior from, you know, parents or being at home or anything like that. Um, so I would have never had any issue like, even when I went to that gym on that first day to get into, you know, just to feel better myself and to get into some bit of shape, you know, I would have danced. And again, I was fit and trim and I looked good and I never had any issues with my body because I was being active in dancing. And I danced because I loved it and I had great friends in it. And I had a wonderful teacher who I still look up to and who's a real ro- role model for me in that sense. Um, but again, I was doing it for all the right reasons. So again, being trim and fit and looking well was a byproduct of me loving dance. So there was never a thing where when I went to the gym, I wanted to, yeah, feel a little bit better, look a little bit better, but there was never a thing of like me being really uncomfortable or me being really underconfident or hating my body. And I think that's the ironic part is like, you know, I went into the gym, not hating myself and um, actually being really comfortable with the way I was, but through that process that was supposed to maybe help me or can add to my life, it actually caused issues, Um, which is something that I'm really, really on point with and really aware of the, With when I work with people, that this is all to add to their life. And if I see anything is going a little bit, um, you know, the other way for them, maybe they're becoming, maybe their values are being skewed, you know, maybe they're not seeing the bigger picture around why we're doing this and how it's adding to their life. And, you know, I suppose, reframing people's expectations for themselves in their body and how they um, operate on a day to day basis. That's something that I'm really sharp on now because it wasn't there for me when I was going through that,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. You've obviously learned so much from your experience while at the time when you were coming out the other side of it, it was not a pleasant place to be. And it was kind of in some ways, quite a negative experience, but there's been so many positives that you've taken from that which is amazing and no doubt that has made you better able to coach people in terms of making sure that that doesn't happen to other people and in terms of if you can't you know seeing any red flags there as well and kind of like you said flipping people's mindsets and taking them back into you know what's what's realistic and what's maintainable and what's important completely Mm -hmm. um in terms of competing how was there any anything about prep or competing or kind of the bodybuilding world that did enhance your life or your health and well being that you feel really did?
1: Um, I definitely think that it showed me and taught me actually just how committed I can be to something, whether it be for the right reasons or not. <laughs> um, I definitely, can you say proved myself in a way that, you know, there was not one training session missed. There wasn't one meal missed. Everything was to the point that is both a pro and a con. Um, but I, I definitely do think that it showed how resilient I was and can be. And that's certainly kind of given me, I suppose, the confidence to know that, okay, if I want to set a goal, I will work my ass off to get to a particular point, whether it be for me personally in my own sporting achievements or, um, you know, business or fulfillment side of coaching. Um, I know what I'm made of, I suppose, in that sense, that was a big positive that came out of it. And of course, as you said there, Laura, me being able to be a much, much better coach from it, because I have no doubt in the world that had I not gone through that, that I wouldn't have the skills and the knowledge and the life experience to help clients with maybe food issues or the relationship with food or their body or, you know, seeing the better picture and really promoting that wellness aspect of things. Um, I probably mightn't even have become a coach if I hadn't yeah. gone through the whole, um, that that whole phase of my life and that's why i'm so passionate about what i'm doing now um so yeah there were plenty while there were challenging times and a lot of cons and a lot of um challenges that came out of it there were loads of positives too yeah
0: amazing and you mentioned that it took you about was it three to four years you said to kind of heal your relationship with food and with your body image how did it become or when did it become apparent to you after the last time you competed how did you realize that there was a problem and that it wasn't where you wanted to stay in terms mm-hmm. of how you felt?
1: So my coach that I had at the time, um, she was probably of the same mindset really around food and training and all of the rest. I wouldn't have said it was a very holistic, uh, approach, but I, I do remember we did a kind of like an eight or 12 week kind of reverse diet. And even at that, it was like, okay, we'll add 10 grams more of rice in. <laughs> There was no like, you know, have this, have that, or like, let's go back to how a normal person eats. It was still dieting, but it was very, very controlled. controlled, Yeah. Yeah. It was still very much like, okay, these are the foods, this is your meal plan. Um, it was down to a T again, you know, to think that I had spent what, three or four months dieting religiously and you think that you could, um, go off the track a little bit or whatever. No, it was still completely regimented and, um, controlled. Yeah. So, I would have continued on for that for a little while. I would have gained obviously more um, body fat and trained still, but it was very much, I felt backed into a corner. I felt like I had to do this because I was going to blow out or gain a whole pile of weight or that all of my rever- my work would have been reversed had I not done that. But I'll always remember I was, um, the big light bulb moment for me was I was on holiday in Australia one Christmas and I was in Bondi. And I was sitting on the beach and I tell my clients this um, a lot of the time just to give them perspective, but I was sitting on the beach on my own in Bandai and um, there was like a really nice sunset. And I remember sitting on the beach, looking at this amazing sunset, being in one of the most amazing places in the world, like a really, what should be a really special moment. And all I could think about was the food that I had at the market previous to going to the beach. So I went to the market, grabbed myself like probably something healthy, like a juice and a granola bar or whatever. And I just remember thinking like having f- fierce guilt over what I'd had to eat and like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then this whole, um, I suppose contrast or, um, conflict within myself being like, you're sitting here, you should be enjoying this sunset. Um, but you're not being present. And all you can think about now is like the food you shouldn't have had or how you're going to look or, um, how you've gone off track. And I remember sitting there and like, holy shit. Like if this is going to be my life going forward where every other memory and every other important thing or should be important to me event, like, you know, your wedding or birthday party. And if you feel this way around food and if you're having these thoughts going forward, I was like, I don't want to live that life. I don't want that life for myself. I actually came to the conclusion in that moment that I would actually prefer to be overweight and be free of what I was thinking and be free of the standards, like these insanely high standards that I was setting for myself and that I kept myself to. um, I would prefer to be overweight and prefer to be in that space, than be controlled and Having feel that, that way.
0: Internal struggle all the time. Yeah. And not being fully present ever really, because yeah. you're so over consumed by thoughts of, what your next meal is going to be, yeah. what, whether you're going to be able to control yourself at a party, whether you're going yeah. to have a binge and feel shit and totally then like that. Yeah. Sitting there watching an unbelievable once in a lifetime sunset mm-hmm. and wonder, worrying about the few calories you had. Yeah, it's, completely. Yeah.
1: And there was but other. Understandable. Yeah. And there would have been over other occasions, like other holidays and like, um. I, I suppose on reflection, I was reading a book, I think it's called Fat Chance. It's Louise McSherry's book. And I was reading yeah. that at the time as well, and that gave me a lot of insight and kind of, I suppose, perspective. And I was really inspired by her body confidence and her journey and her kind of, I suppose, accepting um, the way she was and the way she wanted to live. Um, and she was, she's super body, body positive and everything. So I was reading that book at the time as well, and it gave me a lot of insight. And I suppose it kind of caused me to reflect, really. Um, but yeah, that was the starting point, And I kind of set about wanting to make a change. And it was quite a scary time for me. You know, There was no structure around how to do this. Like, you know, if you want to lose weight and get in shape, there's a diet plan, there's a gym plan, there's this, that, and the other approach, but nobody actually, there's no program there or no plan there to help you through going the other way to reverse all yeah. of this stuff. That's a lot of the work that I do now with clients. Um, and that's why I created the program because it didn't exist when I was going through this. So I didn't want anybody else to go through the same thing. And I wanted to be able to help people if they were. Um, so I set about, I suppose, gradually helping myself can kind of heal the relationship with food, um, drop the high standards, be empathetic towards myself, be patient with myself, give myself rest, give myself a break. Um, I really focused on the mindset element of things and really began to value myself for who I was and like a sister, a friend, a teacher, being intelligent, um, you know, being talented uh, as opposed to just how I looked. And I really, really put a lot of effort into that and did a lot of journaling, a lot of affirmations. Um, And I worked on that solid, you know, and it wasn't all plain sailing. Like you'd have something that, you know, like outrageous shit altogether. Like, you know, I wouldn't have eaten colored veg. Like it would only have been green veg, shall we say, and a bit of milk in your tea or a bit of chocolate, but like introducing all those things and just being like, It's okay to have a fucking red pepper. It's okay to have
0: a carrot. Yeah. Yeah. And like waking up the next day and go, I lived. Yeah.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. completely. So, um, I would say that I just had to make a conscious decision of, you know, when you wake up in the morning, stop yourself from lifting up your top and seeing what way your abs are this morning and see what shape you're in. Like physically make myself not do that and catching myself, all those damaging little behaviors that I had, um, and it took a lot of work. I would say it took more work and more consistency and dedication and patience and time than it did to get into the shape for stage. Um, yeah.
0: Because it took so long. The thing like, that people don't see behind the behind the competitions and behind the photo shoots, you see these, you know, amazing physiques. You're like, OK, that is the hard work and determination is so it is. And it's incredible and it's inspiring and it's it's hard work and it's Um. There is a lot to be said for somebody that can be that focused and determined and achieve something like that. But it's the shit afterwards. It's the fallout Mm -hmm. afterwards. And like you said, getting back to being okay with yourself, Mm -hmm. never mind self-love, but actually just being okay with yourself, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it can be so much harder than even getting into that shape in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad you mentioned, Ashing, about that feeling that you had about I'd rather be overweight and be happy. Or be overweight and be able to live mm-hmm. than have these all-consuming thoughts of food and worry and you know, beating myself up over, you know, a little bit of food. Yeah. And, and I think even at one that. Of the things. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no,
1: I was gonna say, even at that, like I wouldn't have been overweight. Say probably would have lost, I probably would have been say from my heaviest to my lightest, there's a there's probably 20 kg in the difference. Like I'm a very tall girl, I'm 5'11, and I'm quite strong. I'm quite muscular, but like 69 kg was like a lollipop head on me, you know, like I, I, I was a way too pin. So even if I did decide to gain weight, even if I gained 10, 12, 15 kg, I still wouldn't have been overweight.
0: But in my head, I would have been heavy yeah. or fat or but whatever you want to call it. It's a really important thing to consider for anybody who is even thinking about entering into a prep, whether it's for a competition or for a photo shoot is what are you willing to compromise? Mm -hmm. And even for just somebody who wants to lose a bit of weight and get in shape before you kind of think, okay, I want I want abs. Why do you want abs? Like it is Mm -hmm. not going to make you happy. It is not going to make you love yourself. Waking up in the morning and having abs is not going to make you feel any differently about yourself unless you do the inner work. But what is it you're Mm -hmm. willing to compromise? Are you willing to give up those, you know, evenings out to dinner with your friends where you're making good choices and you're looking after your health and well-being, but you're still able to, you know, eat food without thinking or worrying about how it's going to affect your physique. Mm-hmm. It, It's about really f- figuring out what's important to you, I think. And yeah. like you said, having a little bit more body fat, but being able to live freely, there's a lot to be mm-hmm. said for that. Completely. I love the fact that you said
1: is all about like, you know, your reason why, like what's the reason why? And it does come down to like, there's something probably missing in most people who kind of pursue these extremist things. And I, I know this myself. And like I know this um in hindsight, like hindsight's a great thing. Um, and you get wisdom when you get older. And as you explore more like why you went after that and why you did those things, um, you get a lot of answers. Um but yeah, it's it's typically feeling like, as you said, that like if they're going to get in insane shape or look amazing, you know, I have been that 20 kg lighter. I've been ripped to shreds and it still doesn't give you confidence. It still doesn't give you self-confidence, essentially. It doesn't fill that void. If you are somebody who thinks that they aren't good enough or that they should be doing better or, um, you know, that what they're doing on their day-to-day isn't like outlandish or really, really challenging, well, then, you know, you, you need to question that. You need to say, yeah, exactly as you said, what are my motives? Why do I want to do this? And chances are that thing can be fixed or that void can be filled without extremist action in having abs or, um, you know, competing or a photo shoot or whatever.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, Another thing I wanted to touch on with you today, Ashing, was you spoke when I heard you speak at a seminar recently, you spoke about how you went to the Outback on your own during lockdown and mm-hmm. set up your business, which again takes a lot of determination and focus. Um, so what do you th- would you mind talking firstly a little bit about that, about how that came about and and how you went about just kind of going and completely, completely isolating yourself <laughs> um, and, you know, immersing yourself in your work? Because I think there's a lot to be said for that. What, no matter what your goal is or what your work is or whether it's something that you want to achieve for yourself or for your business um, completely kind of isolating yourself at times and really focusing is not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And going it alone. But I just found it very interesting to hear you talk about what you did. So if you wouldn't mind just telling listeners kind of how you went about that. Yeah. So
1: backstory to that was I had been living in Sydney uh for two and a half years, probably. Um, and yeah, I was working in a gym, absolutely loved the gym I was working in. I had amazing clients, amazing vibe, really, really enjoyed my job. I was playing a lot of music, so I we play or used to play in a band over there as well. So we were really busy, really nice set up. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and the gyms closed. And, you know, even before then I had this kind of, um, I had visited WA, you know, like Western Australia and Perth and all them. And I, it was always on my list to kind of move there eventually. And I suppose the whole thing about Australia was new experiences, growth, um, you know, I suppose putting yourself outside of that comfort zone and just having, yeah, having memories, um, being a little bit independent, Um, learning about the whole, you know, culture and how they operate. And I just really enjoyed life there, but hadn't been in Sydney for the the two and a half years, whatever, I suppose, during COVID and I was at home and I was kind of working from my bedroom essentially and starting an online business. I was like, you know what? Like I kind of lost the whole reason and the whole idea around like exploration and adventure and learning new things by just staying in one place. So I was like, look, this is the perfect opportunity. I can take my business with me anywhere I go because the gyms were closed and it gave me that window to be like, Do you know what? I actually probably could move somewhere else. I could experience something new, um, meet new people, see a different part of Australia. And um, yeah, I decided to move basically. I moved up the coast um, and I didn't know anybody or didn't know the area or I suppose I had, I had an idea that I might eventually meet friends up there because I thought like, oh, gyms might open or whatever, but, um, that wasn't the case because we were in lockdown when I was up there. Um, so I suppose I spent a lot of time on my own. Yeah. I spent a lot of time on my own. I had time working on the business. Um, I was with my dog Harvey. So he came with me. I had adopted him like a couple of months previous and I bought him with me. So it was him and I on the farm. Um, there was a, a lady there, Jenny who ran the farm and who I would see and speak to and get on great with and all the rest. Um, but I'd spent a lot of time, you know, walking in the bush or walking in national parks. I could go off and 20 or 21 K walk and go off on my own for the day with the dog or whatever. And, um, yeah, simultaneously I was working on the business, but it was a really special time. Actually. I really enjoyed it. You know, it was really immersive. Um, I had a lot of time to think and reflect, um, I got to know a few of the locals who were completely different to any other <laughs> population I'd ever met in my life. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, yeah. They were just, they were funny. They were gas. Um, but, and I spent lots of time in nature, lots of time in the Jeep. Um, I had a kind of a, or a Jeep that I used to have over there and just going on road trips and exploring and seeing new things and, um, yeah, standing on my own two feet. It was kind of a wild time, really, if I think back in it. It sounds absolutely idyllic.
0: A great way to spend lockdown anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, What were the pros, do you reckon, of isolating yourself and like completely being able to immerse yourself in your own work? And um, what was the, the, the kind of the main things that you took from that whole scenario? Yeah. I enjoyed
1: having time on my hands. So, you know, when I was in Sydney, um, I would have been starting in the gym, say I would have been in for six o'clock. I would have trained myself. I'd have clients all day. I could be there at 6 p.m. I could then have a gig from like seven to 10. And then you might get home at like 11 p.m. and do it all the next day, give up at 5 a.m. again. And it was all it it kind of, I suppose, got into a bit of a rat race in the finish where, you know, when you think you're moving to another country and it's all about having the crack and exploration and all the rest, when you're there for like, you know, that wears off and all of a sudden it becomes normal life again. And it becomes just like you had at home, you know, you have your job, um, you're busy, you're kind of um, trying to build a business. Um, and I suppose I kind of uh, I lost, I lost a bit of that, you know. Whereas when I was there on my own, I had time on my hands. Um, I didn't have to, I suppose, answer to anybody else really. I didn't have to be anywhere at a certain time um, because there was nowhere to go. <laughs> I was on my own. So I could literally because I was working between Australia and Ireland, the time zone was hectic. So I could be up at 5am for a call. I could be on another call to Ireland at 11pm and I could be back up the next morning. So I suppose I gave myself the time and the focus and the momentum to be able to build my business quite quickly. Um, And I suppose live life on my own terms, essentially. Um, I would take days off or I would take a morning off where I jump into the Jeep with the dog and we go off up the coast or we'd go exploring whatever. But I could come back and work into small hours like I didn't have to sit down and say even simple things like you don't have to sit down and have dinner with someone or, you know, I wasn't in a relationship
0: then. So I was completely selfish, I suppose, with my time. Um, It sounds like it was a really empowering time for you, You, like just being able to go and take action and live, like you said, on your own clock, on your own terms, no one else's schedule and, you know, not having to worry about anything else other than what works for you.
1: Yeah. And it was a really special time. I don't think I'd ever get that back. And I would say a lot of Mm. us are thinking the same around COVID, you know, spending time with their families and um, not having to commute and run into an office and stuff. Um, But Yeah, I I suppose it was just a really special time in the fact that I did get that opportunity and think about it now. I'm like, would I do it now again? I'm like, I probably wouldn't have the balls to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was hard. It was tough. I did become quite lowly in the finish. And yeah. I did start going a bit insane. <laughs> In yeah. Well, end. I think
0: we all did. If that's any consolation, we all went a little bit insane. Yeah. Whether we were, you know, with family or on our own. It was just it was a situation where we all needed out, I think, at the end of it. Yeah. But um, yeah, a few of the things you said there, Ashing, kind of bring me on to the next thing that I wanted to touch on with you today. Um, I'd love to talk about online coaching, being an online coach myself and recently only only having kind of set up the online side of my business fully during lockdown as well um, I'm noticing that there's still a little bit of apprehension when it comes to the online coaching world for pe- for anybody who hasn't been on that side of it before um, mm-hmm. and I'd love to chat about that and a couple of things that you mentioned there just made me think of how how online coaching works and you know being able to work on your own schedule is one of the things one of the massive benefits mm-hmm. of that that whole setup um mm-hmm. and a few of the things that you mentioned there like working working taking taking things into your own hands and working on your own empowering yourself and working on your own schedule um what would you say are the three best things about online coaching for anybody who is apprehensive or unsure about whether it could work for them?
1: Mm -hmm. Good question. First thing that comes to mind is you definitely can get a way more help with the stuff you need help with in online coaching. For example, somebody goes to an in-person PT to lose weight and they go and they do their couple of in-person sessions. They might have two hours a week with their PT Um, but the reason that they could be overweight is their emotional eating or, um, their binge eating because of stress, overwhelm, um, tiredness, emotional stuff. And no matter how many PT sessions they will do with that personal trainer in person, it's not going to the root of the problem. It's not going to fix it. Yes. They might flog them to death in (laughs) training sessions. And of course they're going to lose weight, but as soon as they stop the PT, that behavior is still there.
0: The cause is still there. Yeah. And it's not yeah. being addressed. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So like, as we know, the training is only a tiny portion of all of the other stuff, like, you know, your food, your sleep, managing your stress, um, your general lifestyle, having that balance. And I found when I was on an in-person PT on the gym floor in Sydney, that none of that was being addressed. And I would have loved to sit down with clients and just have like five or 10 minutes. And I used to in the finish. We used to have like a session a month or whatever, where we wouldn't do a PT session or bring them into the PT office, and we would chat about, you know, their nutrition or their behaviors around food or their general lifestyle. But it was only a small, tiny portion of what should have been done. So the biggest win for me in a coaching perspective and why my clients get amazing results now is because we have that framework there where we can give time, and there's a massive emphasis on behaviors around food, mindset. Limiting beliefs, how to incorporate this as a lifestyle, as opposed to just giving two hours in the week where it's just exercise. Because your exercise is like one hour of the day, one of the 24. So the other 23 hours, like your sleep and your walking and your, um, what you're telling yourself and your, your self talk and all the rest, they've huge, huge, I suppose, a huge part of well being and even in weight loss as well. That's the biggest thing that has been, um, a huge win for online coaching is because there's a program there. There's a structure there. um, There's loads of more help and support to people when they have the online coaching. Like for me, if I would have seen a, a client twice a week, um, you know, that was a touch point. But, you know, for me and my clients, we have a touch point on a Monday. I do check in with them on a Wednesday. There's another one on a Friday. We've two zoms a week on a Tuesday and Thursday. So every yeah. single day of the week, they have support, they have help. We have their back there's a facebook group there's community there's like minded people there and it's giving them so much more than just going in and a sweat for 2 hours in the week yeah that's yeah. the biggest pro i think would you think the same from jennifer Yeah,
0: junior- oh, 100% yeah absolute game changer i mean the things that we can talk about and that we can help people with go way above and beyond just training and i think mm-hmm. that that is so so important and it's it's really um not undervalued, but I just don't think that the the emphasis is put on that enough in the one to one or mm-hmm. so, sometimes may not be. And um, I like to touch point touch it based on all of those with my one to one clients as well. I'm still working mm-hmm. on the gym floor with a certain amount of clients weekly mm-hmm. as well as the online, but I completely agree that with the online there is more emphasis on that and it's those things that really are at the crux of any transformation, like really at the crux of any transformation, it is the mind. It's your mindset and its behaviors and habits Um, and any any physical transformation that happens has to start there. And Mm. particularly if it's something that's going to be sustained or maintained. So those things have been an absolute game changer. And to see the difference as well in. Where people are going from and to in terms of their progress, when we're Mm. making sure that we're touching base on all of those things regularly and weekly, it's Mm. it's so, so important. So, yeah, for me, that is that's a huge, huge benefit and probably one of the biggest in terms of we talk about everything. We talk about sleep, stress Mm. um, and like you said, any um, issues with emotional eating or stress eating, all of those things are addressed weekly. um, Mm. And that support has been such a game changer for all of my clients.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: The other thing I would say as well, that is a huge one that I think is, again, kind of undervalued is the opportunity for people to work on their own schedule. And this is what kind Mm. of reminded me um, when you were talking about working on your own schedule, when you were living in Australia and in lockdown, having the opportunity to okay, if you have a personal trainer, it's great. And some people might say, you know, I need somebody if there's not somebody there waiting on me, I'm not going to turn up. Okay, that's fine mm-hmm. now. And you've acknowledged that, that that's maybe the way you behave now or the way you think now. But mm-hmm. do you want to live your whole life having to, you know, have someone else waiting on you going, come on, you need to turn up? We need to overcome that barrier Completely. and get you to a place where you are turning up for yourself because yeah. you want this, not because someone else is waiting on you. Yes. So getting to that point where you're getting it yourself into a routine and you're saying, okay, this is what works with my schedule. I get up and I train on a Monday morning, Wednesday morning, Friday morning before work and I turn up for myself and I do the work. And then I know if my PT goes on holidays for three weeks mm-hmm. and, you know, isn't there to wait on me, I'm not going to miss three weeks because someone else isn't telling me to turn up. Yeah. I'm still getting up and doing the work and and feeling good and maintaining my health and fitness. So that's been a huge, huge benefit that I've seen.
1: Yeah, you did right. That was gonna be my point too. You hit the nail on the head, you know, like having that <laughs> um, flexibility and I suppose, yeah, choice. Like my crew, they have the app, um, you know, they train when the suits them, they work around kids, even if it's 20, 30 minutes, like most people are so busy or if you're a busy mom or whatever, you might get like a quick 20 minute window. So if you didn't have, you know, a schedule with a PT for that time, you know, things change all the time. Life changes, plans change. Um, so it's just, it actually makes it way more accessible to people to make this a lifestyle for themselves. Um, you know, then with the trainings, we have the zooms twice a week with different guests that come on, you know, we could, we have a life coach, um, you know, we do journaling workshops and, you know, it might be a seminar on how to deal with stress and overwhelm, all those things. So if they don't make them or if they can't make them, they're recorded and we have like a private podcast channel where they can catch up on that chat, you know, if they're in the car or doing their cleaning or even working out loads of them listen to it, like literally killing two birds. Um, so, um, it's been a complete game changer for people because as you said, Laura, they're doing it for all the right reasons because they want to show up for themselves. They want to do this for themselves and they're taking ownership of what they're doing as opposed to, you know, no one likes to be told what to do. My whole thing is like, you know, I teach people what to do. So it gives them the skills, but it ultimately gives them independence. So like you have to finish a program at some point. My whole thing is like, I want it to be a final solution for people in the sense that it's only a job well done on my end. If someone can leave the program and be totally independent and be able to maintain the result, so yeah. that starts from the very start. You know, you are literally setting someone up for failure, as you said. If someone will only exercise because there's somebody there to them. point the finger yeah. at them or whatever, count yeah. to the one to like ten for them. It's yeah, not, yeah, it's not going to work. Like it's so low level. It's a waste of both people's time, actually, if you think about it, because um, the PT is not doing them injustice. And then, you know, the other person there is not going to get a result or not going to be able to maintain it when they finish that PT. So yeah, you may make a really, really valid point there around the motivation behind it. And just the time and the flexibility and be able to own the responsibility and do it for yourself.
0: Yeah, that's it. And I know a lot of apprehension kind of comes from, I see a lot of women who maybe aren't confident in their ability to train or in, you know, I've never squat before. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I don't know. If I'm able to train, I don't know if I'm going to look at this program and know what to do, but the support mm-hmm. is there. The videos are there, mm-hmm. the demonstration is there. So you're always going to be given the support and guidance so that you are able to do what we set up, the plan we put in place together. And then from there, mm-hmm. like there's there's always a way technology is amazing and I never thought I'd re- I'd be so delighted to rely on technology so much. Yeah. But um, yeah, obviously being forced into it in lockdown we didn't have a choice and now what we can do like I'm helping women in the UK to correct their form and technique on their squat they're shooting me videos over Mm. on WhatsApp of their training I'm able to give them feedback on form and technique they're progressing they're Mm. seeing the benefits even better and it's it is it's an absolute game changer in terms of they're doing it on their own time they're still getting all of the support the feedback the the you know form technique kind of Mm -hmm. feedback and Mm. um improving on all levels and yeah. not just within their training. Totally. So yeah, it's, yeah. um, it's an exciting time. I think it's, it's definitely, it's evolving and it's um, p- more people are becoming open to um, online coaching instead of, you know, your in-person coaching. And I really think that the yeah, benefits are, are there.
1: Totally. There any, like, even, mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, even the third point there, you know, being the cost efficiency of the whole thing. So yeah. while it might seem like an investment and If you have a good coach with a good program, they will be expensive, but you pay for what you get. And yes, it's going to be more expensive than your slimming world or your weight watchers or maybe the PT session. But if you add up all of the other failed attempts, monetary wise, it's not doing you any justice, but like emotionally, every time you stop and start a program or every time you end up with, you know, being back to square one it plays havoc with people's emotions and their mindset. You know, it's frustrating. It's disheartening. People lose self-belief. They say, what's wrong with me that I can't lose weight. Um, you know, whereas if you just invest one time, invest a decent amount into your health and your well-being and fixing this solution, because if you're in your mid twenties or your early thirties, like touch wood, like you're going to have another 50 years ahead of you of eating and thinking and moving and living and, um, you know, all of those things. So yes, it might be an investment now for your 12 weeks or whatever it may be for your online program, but spread that out over 50 years. It is a tiny portion. And if it gives you the life skills and the freedom and put you in a really, really good place the rest of your days, and not only will you get a lifetime of value from it, if you have kids down the line, or if you have kids, or if you want a family, you're in the position and the authority and of the knowledge to be able to give them a lifetime of value from a two, because you can teach them and they'll never end up in the same shit situation. Maybe that you've been in going around in circles, you know, not being happy, trying to lose weight, being underconfident, having issues around food, you're sparing the next generation, all that stuff. So yeah, it is a great point. Yeah. And like, yes, it might be an investment now but over your lifetime, it is hugely cost efficient. You can hang on to, you know, the workouts Laura that you give your clients. And I give my clients, they have the skills, they have all the materials, they have the coursework. And at any point, whether it be two, three, four, five years down the track where they start to feel themselves slip a little bit, or, you know, priorities change, or they've got a new job, or there's been a baby or whatever. And they feel like that they're not where they used to be. They can plug and play all that stuff all over again. And they say, I know exactly what to do because Laura Ash or whatever taught me how to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have all the knowledge and I have all the material and the experience and the practice from doing that online course to go and do it myself now. So it's massively cost efficient in that sense.
0: Yeah, it is. It really is. It's an investment in your personal development and you're going to take that forward into the rest of your life and continue to build on that, hopefully. Um, forever, which is so exciting as well. When you think about it, you're empowering yourself with the skills and the tools and the knowledge to be your best self and to continue to build on that, which is the potential that we have to be better is never ending. Like it's infinite. Mm -hmm. Um, Just before we wrap up, I know I'm very conscious of your time today. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your your valued time. But um, what would you three things that you would kind of tell people to consider before maybe entering into a preparatory phase for a photo shoot or a competition. What would you, what are the three things you would say to really consider Mm -hmm. before?
1: First thing being the reasons why. So we touched on this a little bit earlier. So what are your reasons why for wanting to do a competition or want to do a shoot? it's a quite extremist thing to do. It's really challenging and it's rewarding and all the rest. But as we were saying, it comes back to the point, like if you think that getting in insane shape to stand on a stage with three little triangles of cloth covering your private parts mm-hmm. <laughs> in front of an audience of people that you don't know and they're there to judge you and they don't really give a shit about you, you'd have to question the logic and the reasoning behind that. If there is good reason behind it, which I don't know, it like, is there stuff that you couldn't fulfill or that you couldn't feel proud of yourself in other things like doing a race, running a half marathon, um, doing a triathlon, being able to bike or swim or whatever, dance, Zumba, whatever it may be, that thing can probably be fulfilled in a less extreme way with a less of um a backlash and consequence after it. So that would be the first thing that I would ask or kind of advise somebody. The second one being be so careful with who you work with. Um, unfortunately there's a lot of PTs in the industry who are still of that mindset and who are actually in the industry and in good shape because they struggle with these very same things because they struggle with the relationship with food themselves, keeping this high standard, you know, body dysmorphia, all of the rest. And if you are under somebody's wing like that, you're going to learn their behavioral and uh, their behavior and their habits and their, I suppose, expectations. So I would be extremely cautious. Like the person you work with can influence your life for the better or for worse for the rest of your days. So I would be really careful about their ethos, about their theories behind things. I would question, you know, why we're doing this, learn what they're about and learn what their. Um, I suppose their whole reason is as well. Is it for a health and wellbeing perspective or is it just literally to get shredded for the sake of it and it not be meaningful? So that would be the other thing. And the third point there is, I suppose, yeah, considering what are the effects, both psychological and physiological after when you come out of it to weigh all that up and to see And if you are going to go in to get really clear on the expectations you have after it, because even if you were to do that, I think it would still be really hard. Um, And I would imagine that there was a lot of people who should have got help from a psychotherapist or um, food uh, behavior, you know, um, chatting to someone around this stuff and actually having a structured, systematic way to lessen the load or to kind of ease that whole challenge afterwards. Um, so yeah, it's like pre during and after, if you want to look at it that way, pre, what are the reasons during who you're working with and after just being aware of, I suppose, the risk that you take when you go after something like that and chat and t- chat to people, don't take my word for it or don't, because what I did and what I got from it might not be what the other person or what you will get from it. So chat to yeah. everybody, I get as much, be as informed as you can and get really clear on the benefits, the pros and cons of each, because different people will have different experiences. They'll have different reasons. They'll have different, I suppose, outcomes of the whole thing, but maybe get the general majority of people, because I think the majority of people will tell you lots of really smart, excellent coaches of my colleagues of mine, whether it be an authority network or people that I know, they'd have gone through the same thing of doing shoots and, and prep, and they'll all tell you like, that they wouldn't do it again, probably. But you have to go through these things yourself to learn and make up your own mind.
0: Yeah, excellent advice, Ashing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, I think that's, that's really, really important what you said there. Speak to people, do your research 100% and explore your own reasons and your own feelings behind why you think you want to and really question, like keep asking yourself why, why that's important, why that's important until you've really kind of dug deep into what your reason is, and then making sure that you're going about it in a safe way and Mm. in a way that's going to serve you ultimately. Yeah. Um, And lastly, Ashing, before we wrap up today, um, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Oh my God, girl. That's so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a tough one. (laughs) The
1: best piece of advice. My mother is a great person for one-liners and I'm just trying to think if I can (laughs) think of any of them. Um the
0: best piece of advice. Or even just the first Mammy Vaughn one liner that comes into your
1: head. <laughs> like she says, you know, suit yourself, girl. You know, whether it be um going on a night out or you know, making decisions for yourself, it's basically coming down to that whole thing of like suit yourself, i.e. you make decisions mm-hmm. based on what you need and what your needs are. And your reasons behind it, not because of anyone else's or society in general or uh, coaches, teachers, whatever. Suit yourself. So, yeah. i.e., just do you. Essentially, I love yeah. that. I love
0: that. That is great advice. Solid. Solid you just advice. You know, use that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I love it. Suit yourself, girl. Love it. Yeah. That completely. is a perfect perfect note to wrap things up on today (laughs) Ashley, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story and for being so honest about it all because I know that journey while you were in the shit of it must have been so so tough and you know it took you so much time to heal your relationship with your food and heal your relationship with your body but here you are now helping women all over the world through what you've gone through and sharing your experience and your story no doubt has helped so many other people and will help people from making the same mistakes or similar mistakes in the future Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure hearing it all today so thank you so so much
1: thank you so much Laura thanks for having me on and for giving me the the chance to, to tell the story and to kind of yeah I suppose give give people a heads up or kind of perspective
0: on the whole thing so thank you girl really really appreciate it thank you so much no worries Laura thank you as always, thank you so, so much for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed and got some value from this episode. If you listened right to the end and you now have that lovely little nugget of wisdom from Ashling's Mammy, please share the podcast on your social media. Tag myself and Ashling, and post that little piece of advice as a hashtag. And we will share your post on our own stories. Thank you so, so much for listening and catch you on the next one.